Welcome to another episode of the FPL Amateurs of Oz podcast. Today on deck is my co-host Damo and special guest today is a friend of the pod, Brady. How are you, fellas? Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, Great. Yes. How are you going? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad at all. Definitely, um, it's been a very long week waiting for this international break to finish up. But finally, it's finished and we can get into some FPL this weekend. Um, how did you go uh, last week, Brady? Um. Not good, to be entirely honest. Um, my worst week by far. Um, I, look, I don't think many people got too many points that week, but I think I ended up with somewhere in the 30s. Let me, yep, 38, which is pretty poor. Um, I was sticking out for my wild card, which I used this week, which I'll get into a bit later. But, um yeah, not too good. I went for a one-week punt on um, Chris Wood, which did not work at all. Um, oh, Chris Wood. Yeah, I went from um, around 7,000 to now 19,701. So a bit of a drop in my first red arrow this season. So oh, well, that, funny thing is you're beating me in demo. So. I was going to say, all the, uh, all the guests you seem to bring on are doing better than us. So there's something wrong here. <laughs> That's how we get um, the hype for our pod, mate. We've got to get on people better than us. <laughs> we're, the, we're the amateurs part of the fantasy amateurs. So. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, it, it, it was a pretty tough week for a lot of people. I was sort of I was surprised with my 49 points. I sort of I was expecting to see a few red arrows, but I actually got a few green arrows. So, And I think you are the same, weren't you, Damo? You didn't do too bad last week either. Oh, no, I had a pretty rubbish week, but... Um... And I, f- I fell a little bit, but uh, it's because I took a hit. So I think had not had I not have taken a hit, um, I probably would have stabilised. But uh, hopefully it sort of pays off for the next couple of weeks anyway. So going to have to see how we go. It pretty much was a double hit for you because you got out Jimenez as well. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, seems, it seems the uh, players I take out seem to um, fire up the week after. So... I'm going to have to um, try and change the chat, change up the strategy a bit and just try to actually listen to my own advice sometimes and uh, hold on to these players because I, I, I seem to give good advice, but I don't really listen to myself. So um, gonna have ah. to <laughs> going to have to just uh, maybe, you know, just sign out of FPL completely and just not touch my team for a week and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I feel you on that one, mate. I'm exactly the same. Uh, we it might get... Uh, yeah, pretty much. It's um, yeah, we we're we're here to help people, not ourselves. So, <laughs> uh, we might get into the FPL Twitter template team. Uh, this week they lined up with Sanchez in goals with Alonso, Rudiger, White in the back line, and then they had Salah, Ben Rama, Rafinha, Saar in the midfield, and then topped it up with a captain Lukaku, Antonio, and Jimenez up front. So he finished the week on 54 points, which is a, a pretty decent score considering the, the landscape of last week. And a massive green arrow taking them from 18.5K up to 7.2K. So definitely leaving us all um, to shame. Everyone's going terrible except for the template team. So next up, we might cover the FPL Amateurs of Oz League. Um, the top three is the Kong FPL planner still at the top, which is absolutely killing me, at 515 points. And FPL Max second on 496 and Isaac FC 493 points. And the top 
score for the week was the Kong FPL planner, bloody TN. So, yeah, he seems to be getting a bit cockier every single week, you know, just as he racks up those points and uh, just finding his voice a bit more and more. So I think we're going to have to try and uh, uh, peg him back a bit or else uh, he's going to be a bit out, out of control. Mate, he's sitting on top smiling like a fat cat. <laughs> <laughs> that template play, uh, that template team is killer. I don't know how he keeps getting points. It's insane. Surely <laughs> at some stage the differentials have to come through and outshine these template players. But Well, you'd think um, the shittiness from um, my team and Damo's team would drag that down, but it's... <laughs> It's yeah, not really doing the, anything. the only the only thing is the different. The it seems to be the differentials that we uh, name often do do well. <laughs> yeah, we don't have them in our teams. <laughs> yeah, I know. But that's it's it's a it's a catch twenty two. That is, um, we're not taking the risk of getting them in our teams, and they're absolutely hauling. And then the one time we do get them in our team, it's uh, uh, duck eggs. <laughs> So, um, Brady, you're actually sitting in the top five in that um, amateur Oz League. So you were sitting top three for the most, probably the first four weeks, but um, you've just dropped out. But Yeah, that uh, template team pretty much just swapped places with me, going from that 18,000 range to 7,000 when I went from the 7,000 to the 18,000. So oh, uh, Maybe you were the direct spot, mate. You were yeah. the direct spot. <laughs> um, but yeah, it does does hurt a little bit being in uh, that fourth spot instead of the the top three. But I'll be back there next week, I'm sure. Ah, uh, well, if you look at me, mate, it's uh, my league, and I'm not in the top five. So, well, you've made a little bit of a comeback this week, so <laughs> not too bad. You See how we those. go. <laughs> uh, we might uh, cover our draft league. Um, myself and Damo, we decided to create a draft league for a bit of banter in our sort of Twitter group online, and. Um, I've actually done pretty good. Damo is not so good, but you did come up against well, TN in the first week. So I was going to say, on paper, my team reads real well, but um, yeah. So does um, so does Fred's job application, mate. <laughs> um, might get into my side for this week. Um, I've got a uh, Aspi Pereira, Marcel, Saar. With Fernandez, Grelish, Smith Rowe, Gray, Ben Rama, and then Antonio and Jimenez up front. So I actually like my chances this week in grabbing another victory and making it three from three. What about you, Damo? Um, we're talking about the draft teams, yeah? Yeah, mate. I don't have yeah, that so... on the side in real life. <laughs> <laughs> You'll say that's actually a decent side. Um, I've got uh, Loris uh, down back, uh, Van Dyke, Robertson, Tierney, and Chilwell. Uh, Sterling, Greenwood, Trossard and Klitsch and up front uh, Richarlison, which I don't know if he'll play, uh, and Kane. Um, then on the bench I've got uh, Leno, Pepe, Lacazette and Soinchu. So it's, again, as I said, it's not a bad team on paper, just not delivering. <laughs> well, I'll actually uh, refer back to what I said previously. I was looking at my other draft side, so that was my draft uh, team in another league. But I'll go through the one I have in this league. Uh, I've got uh, Walker, Cash, Tomiyasu, Schmeichel, Fernandez, Grelish, Rafinha, Saka, Bamford, Watkins, and Puki, with Alonso, Velasquez, and Pereira on the bench. So still a good side, but not as good mm. as the first one I read out. <laughs> <laughs> um, who's on top of the ladder, actually? I might double-check that. I'm pretty sure it's the Kong. 
Oh, mate. <laughs> that man is the man city of the FPL world. Uh, yeah, oh, it's a no uh, FPL planner with a 2-0 two, two uh, plus minus of 103. So absolutely <laughs> dominating the league. Yeah, well, shout out to Bear, who actually came with the idea of making the draft comp. He's sitting in uh, last at the moment. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, plenty of, plenty of weeks left and plenty of banner left, um, which <laughs> is a pretty decent name in itself. And then, uh, Damo, you're up against JB. So, nice. So the banter should be uh, at an all-time high between you two, I'm sure. I'll be keeping <laughs> an eye on the group chat. Uh, I think I should beat him easily to bounce the other. I'm sure you'll like to hear that. I'll make, make sure I tell him to listen to the pod this week. Um, might get into the international wrap-up. Um, there's, there's probably a few games left tomorrow, I'd say, but a few players that I'd like to sort of talk about was um, De Bruyne had three assists um, over the international break, so he's looking primed and ready to come into my side in the next couple of weeks if I can work out the, the mass and get him in. And then Ronaldo... Four goals over the last two games on international break, which hopefully means that he's just going to come into my team this week and absolutely put the cleaners through Leicester. But apart from that, the sort of no one else sort of that I was looking at from the players that played. What about you, Demo? Uh, you, you're not looking at Werner? Uh, just you know, lazy, lazy two goals with uh, a potential injury to uh, Lukaku. Yeah, actually, I, I didn't even think about that. No, definitely, I think you should uh, enlighten us on it. No, well, look, in all honesty, I'm pr- pretty sure uh, looking at, um, from what I've read, the Lukaku injury is probably just a bit of um, uh, downplay in terms of, you know, have a little bit of a break and then we'll be back. But he's flagged, so, um, you know, keep an eye out for that. And um, But, yeah, so I was sort of... Looking at Werner as uh, potentially a one-week sort of punty option, but um, I don't know. Come come Friday, uh, the deadline, I probably uh, won't won't end up doing it. But it, but it is an option. It is an option, especially well, um, if uh, you've got the two um, free transfers. Yeah, definitely. Well, after we spoke to Aaron the other day on the Plonker uh, podcast, he um, actually was opening my eyes to Werner, and I've been thinking about it in the last two days. So. So um, you're not thinking of Mares, are you? Scoring three goals during these uh, international? No, nah, mate. Can't, <laughs> e- can't even. Can't even stomach that. Oh, I'd say all the city players have sort of played well. Mares with three goals, Torres with two. Um, obviously, you've already mentioned De Bruyne with uh, a, a hat trick of assists. Um, Silva with two goals. So they've all sort of played well. What about you, Brady? Have you looked at anyone, mate, that you sort of I had your eye on? I think it's a little bit criminal that none of you have mentioned Son yet. I think uh, <laughs> two goals, um, and he just looks – look, Tottenham don't look like a great side at the moment, but everything that happens in Tottenham comes through Son. He does look like a pretty good FPL asset, and I am considering him for this week. And I think a lot of other people are as well. Um, yep. Also, Sancho, just as a – Man United fan, it's good to see him sort of finding his feet a little bit and uh, hopefully it's the the start of some good form which he can bring into the side. I'm just hoping re- that it holds out for him to lose a bit more value and then I'll do <laughs> I was going to say, boys, you do realise um, scoring goals in the internationals means nothing though. You've got a player like um, oh, one of our players, Yarmolenko, scores, uh, scores goals for fun for Ukraine. 
can't do it for us to save his life. So uh, <laughs> you sort of uh, hold it with a uh, grain of salt sometimes. Yeah, well, there's actually one person um, I was going to mention for you, Damo, your um, differential pick or play to watch, El Yanusi. Uh, yeah, scored scored two goals. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, mate. <laughs> um, we'll just uh, try to sneak him into his goal tally for Southampton, mate, and it'll make, make him look a bit better. <laughs> ah, we'll see how we go. Anyone else that you wanted to have a look at, fellas? Or? Um, I did want to touch on uh, Chilwell now that I've seen it. I Look, um, he scored which is promising. Um, I think he could be a pretty good shout for FPL. I know he's a rotation risk, but it could be a risky move that pays off. I might touch on it a bit later, but I do like the look of Chilwell. Yeah, no, definitely. And and because he has lost quite a lot of value, I think he's sitting at that 5.6 or 5.7. So definitely I do um, like that idea. And um, when we touch on it later, I definitely will give you my 10 cents about it. Okay, might get into the injuries. Um, I've seen that Rudiger is injured. Apparently, he had a back issue, but um, after missing the last training session on international duty, they said that he looks pretty good. It was just more precautionary. So, I'd say Chelsea have probably given him a ring and said, "Can you um, not play him if you don't need to?" So, but um, in regards to Lukaku, apparently just muscle fatigue, so he might possibly start on the bench, but. Who knows, he probably will start, but I'm begging that he doesn't start just so I can uh, get a leg up. <laughs> Any of <laughs> you fellas getting Lukaku in this week at all? Uh, think, I, he, think about it. I do have him currently in my wildcard draft, and I, I'd i be quite surprised if Lukaku or Rudiger don't start. I feel like both their injuries are pretty minor, and I think it, they were both very precautionary. So... We'll see how it goes, but I'm on a wild card, so I can change last second if we get more information. But I do really like him if he's fit. I actually yeah. think the same thing. I, I think both the Rudiger and uh, Lukaku injuries per se. I think they they're just um, they're just a bit of uh, not so much fluff, but I think uh, it's a bit of ice. Um, they've been put on ice uh, for Chelsea, and um, I think they'll, they'll both be back. Yeah, no, nah, well, I hope for your sake that um they do play, but for my sake, I'm going to be absolutely <laughs> selfish and say that he doesn't start this week. So uh, I might get into um, Joda, well, also known as Jota. Um, he's been limited at training, and they're not sure if he'll be fit enough to start, but I could probably see him coming off the bench, but probably depends on whether Firmino's out injured or not, whether they start Origi or Jota on the field, but... Um, have you heard anything else about that demo at all? No, I haven't heard anything else from Jota, but um, I would assume um, for the plonker, the plonker's sake, he'll probably end up playing and scoring, regardless if he plays, <laughs> regardless if he plays uh, starts or plays off the bench. You know, he's he's just he's one of those players, and um, if the plonker has faith in him, I uh, would trust his word. Plonker, so um, yeah, that's my sort of thoughts on um, Jota. What about you, Brady? Have you heard anything about Shutter or? Um, I haven't heard too much about his injury, but I just think as an FPL asset, it might be a bit too late for him. I f- don't think he's going to keep up uh, the start. I don't think he'll get too many minutes. But then again, Jotter has always been that sort of reliable super sub, so you never know. But I would 
probably avoid him from my FPL side, regardless of injury. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. I just heard Aaron's uh, heartbreak then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I saw some news about Varane and Maguire. Apparently, Varane went off at halftime and it looked like he's picked up a knock, was sitting there for a bit of ice on it. So, by the sounds of it, he could be a 50-50 chance of playing, which, I mean, from an FPL point of view, it probably doesn't mean too much. But I think from a Man United point of view, we might be forced to play Lindoff in the middle. And Maguire's also got a question mark as well, whether he'll be available. But I personally think that's huge for Vardy owners, though. It, yeah. with, a, with a compromised back line. I still think you guys get the chocolates, but uh, with a, that sort of compromised back line that you guys may have, eh, anyone who actually has Vardy, he almost might be worth a um, bit of a maverick uh, captain shelf this week. I think yeah. um, he might, you know, might um, might score one or two goals given your sort of like back line worries. Yeah, no, definitely. I sort of we haven't been great defensively with Varane and Maguire, mm. so I couldn't see us going too well. But it could mean a good shout for someone with De Gea in goals. He could have about six thousand save points. So, <laughs> um, is there anything you'd like to add on that, Brady? Seeing as you are a Man United supporter, mate, um, I think it's bad news for Man United fans, and it could be um, a good shout for Vardy. I do like that. But, yeah, look, Lindelof and Bayer are not the greatest centre-back pairing, so we'll see how it goes. But um, I think Damo could be in with the shout with his Vardy call. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it could be worse. We could be starting Johnny Evans and uh, Phil Jones at the back. So That is true. <laughs> <laughs> Sue Fowl, apparently there's a good chance that he could be getting rested, Damo, this week, which, I mean, it's probably not good for you, fellas, but um, apparently international bosses recommended that he needs to rest as the groin injury apparently is minor, but still, yeah. still could be trouble. Yeah, I can talk sort of more about that. I, I think he does uh, have a rest this week and Ben Johnson will uh, take his place in the lineup. Um, but there could be a few of our boys that um, sort of are a bit sore and weary and tired, which I can see us sort of giving a rest, but um, obviously we want to, given the our small squad, which is the bane of my uh, existence, uh, <laughs> in terms of uh, I think that's the only sort of thing stopping us this season, it's that sort of having that small squad. Yep. But um, So I don't think we're going to rest too many players because I don't think we can. We're not in that position. We're, like, we're not in a position of, say, a man you or stuff or, which have, you know, 50 million players on their books and can bench the likes of uh, have like a 150 million uh, pound bench. <laughs> Nothing like that. But, um, but yeah, I think he does get rested and I think we bring in Ben Johnson for this week. Yeah, no, uh, definitely. Yeah. So I'm not sure if a lot of people still have Sufao, but I think there might be maybe about 4% of people that have him still. So mm. um, Also, uh, Digne. Um, I think that's how you pronounce it. It's Digne, mate. It's Digne. Digne. Well, <laughs> there you go. Um, he'll be now known as Digne. Um, he has a hamstring injury, um, and apparently there's a good chance he misses this week's game. So if anyone is uh, banking on a evident clean sheet with uh, Digne, uh, you'll be very disappointed. Mate, he has not. Uh, like, I had Digne. I had Digne in my side at the start of the year, and then just he has not played well, firstly, and then he got injured, and I think he's been injured ever since. So if you've got him in your side, just dump him. Like, he's 
He's just he's not the he's not the player he was last season. So, I, and if you've still got him, I'm just going to ask why, um, especially at that elevated price. So, um, yeah, that's sort of my thoughts on him. What about you, Brady? Do you um, have any interest in Digne at all? Look, Digne, Digne, I have an interest in none of them. Um, <laughs> well, he's been so underwhelming this season. Um, I was really considering him at the start of the season, and yeah, I'm very glad I didn't go with him. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, another thing uh, with Joda, the two names you can't pronounce, I think regardless of injury, <laughs> I wouldn't play either of them. Yeah, no, that's definitely, um, I like those shouts. I said if I was a Digne supporter at the start of the year, but yeah, can't get on board. Um, last people that we'd like to talk about is obviously Rafinha and the rest of the Brazilian boys. Um, the reports are that they will arrive 36 hours before kickoff. So they, I could see them playing depending on obviously the team's depth. So I'd think with Rafinha, I think if he's back at the 36 hours I'd, and he's no scratches, no injuries, I think he will play. But definitely if you are wanting to sort of do that last minute decision, I'd be listening to the presses on Friday. Um, which is Thursday, England time, and just seeing what um, the coaches have to say and also look at maybe the international games to see if there's any injuries that come out of those games at all. What about you, fellas? Anything to add on that? So um, I just want to say, you can say the name Rafinha, but you can't say Digne. <laughs> it's not R- Rafinha? R- <laughs> Raphael? No. Um, <laughs> look, uh, in terms of the, as you said, I'm, so I'm just going to reiterate what you said. I think it's a wait and see for Rafinha. Um, uh, this time last week, I would have said he's not going to play. But um, from what, sort of what I've read and what I've heard, he is more of a potential to play now. So, but again, it's a wait and see. Like Bielsa is a manager that he's he's got a no bullshit filter. So he'll tell us as it is if he'll say whether he's playing or if he's not. So uh, it's not like it's not like a pep roulette or um, some of the other managers that sort of um, uh, essentially pussyfoot around the situation. He'll tell us exactly how it is. So just wait and see for the press conference. If he says he's starting, play him. If he says he's not, don't play him. Yeah, well, any La Celso uh, owners, um, yeah, I don't know why you'd own him, so definitely get off. Um, I don't <laughs> think I don't think Martinez will be playing either. I'd say he'll probably just um, be on the bench or not in the squad at all. The one that um, is curious to me... Uh, is the Liverpool player, uh, what's his name, Allison? Will Allison get up? Because that uh, would be very interesting in terms of uh, the Liverpool lineup. Uh, because I don't, well, I, obviously um, they have a former West Ham goalkeeper in Adrian, but uh, he has not looked good in a, in a Liverpool jersey at all. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so I'd be, I'd be wary. If uh, Allison doesn't get up, and especially with TAA being flagged, um, of um, Liverpool sort of potentially not keeping a clean sheet. So that's sort of uh, something to uh, keep an eye on as well. Um, speaking of TAA, I actually apparently heard from uh, some trustworthy sources that he could be playing on the weekend. So, yeah, I've yeah, not the same things. Mm. And so have I. But um, as a, uh, I'd be more worried if um, 
the goalkeeper doesn't uh, come up or not. So I think uh, Allison's huge for Liverpool, uh, and they're a different side with Adrian in the goal. So yeah, no, nah, definitely. Um, um, what I about did, you, Brady? Yes, I did want to touch on the Brazil. I think I might be mistaken, but I think the thirty-six hours is actually it's thirty-six hours between that Uruguay game and the next uh, set of Premier League games for each of those players, and then. Also, I think in between that 36 hours, they have to attack, uh, have to catch a 12-hour plane flight back to the UK. Um, and then if you include the time to travel back to their respective teams' locations from the airport, I think that it's very unlikely that any of them will play if they're at that Uruguay game. That's a fair shout. Maybe um, mm. Rafinha will put his boots on on the plane. <laughs> Yeah, I just there's there's not much leeway between the two games. I just it, especially if they're playing, even if they're not, I think a twelve hour flight is quite taxing. So I'm not sure if um, any of them will be available if they're at that game. No, definitely. It's I guess a bit of advice would be if you do have Rafinha, you are keeping him. Maybe make sure you have bench depth if you're going to yep. keep him. So absolutely, you know, someone that can come in for him. Do you think um, the question for you boys would it be worth keeping Rafinha on the field? Do you think he plays at all? Like, because the last thing you want is okay, yeah, I've got bench cover, I'll start Rafinha, and then Rafinha comes on in the 89th minute and you only get a point. So, what would the like, what would be the advice that you would give? Because, sort of, I'm in that position as well where I've got bench cover there. Uh, but I'd really want to play Rafinha if he starts, but then I'm fearful of benching him like I did against West Ham and he tears it up. So uh, what would your advice be for Rafinha owners? Do we bench him and keep him, say, first sub, or do we play him? I'd probably just play him and just, I mean, worst case scenario, he gets one point if he comes off the bench in the last 10 minutes or... He swaps out and you have, say, like a, I guess, a Livramento or for my case, I've got Samato as my first auto emergency. So mm. I think it, I think it's got to be a wait and see. Um, I, I just do, I don't really see him starting. And I think if he doesn't start, I don't think he'll play. Um, so I'm not sure. I think it's a wait and see. And I think it is very dependent on who that bench cover is as well. Yeah. Uh, definitely. It's definitely a good shout. Um, we might uh, just cover a bit of the Newcastle takeover, just sort of, I guess, from our point of view and what we, our thoughts and two cents are. Um, I think it's going to be massive, actually, like just with the amount of money that they now have at their disposal. I mean, a lot of people are saying that the financial fair play will come into play but I mean it didn't really come into play for Man City and they've been able to buy whoever they want so I don't think it's going to be that much of an issue but I do think that they will be able to sort of start signing players straight away in that January transfer window maybe looking around a few of the clubs that have got unhappy players and aren't really getting match time but what about you fellas? Um, from what I've heard, and uh, again, it's I think it's a little bit of speculation as well, they can spend upwards of about $200 million and still be under that financial fair play. So yep. they can definitely bring in at least two to three, you know, good players. 
uh, for that much money, and especially with the names that are being bandied about, uh, which we'll talk, sort of talk about in a minute, I, I think they can do some damage. I think they'll have to, given their position in the Premier League, they, they're going to have to bring in at least one or two players in that January window, I think, just to keep them up. Um, and then we will see the true sort of uh, might of the um, like sort of the almighty dollar kicking in probably next season and then the season after. Yeah, definitely. What about you? Had a few thoughts on this as well, Brady, didn't you? Um, yeah, I just wanted to touch on how big this is. Um, so it's a public investment fund, and collectively they're worth around three hundred and twenty billion pounds, which is. <laughs> An absurd amount of money. Um, the closest next most wealthy, uh, most wealthy owner, sorry, um, in the Premier League is uh, City's, and I'm going to butcher this pronunciation. I might have to get uh, Quentin's help, but uh, <laughs> Sheikh Mansour, I think, mm-hmm. and he yeah, is worth twenty three point three billion pounds, which is insane. <laughs> like the the difference between that is is ridiculous, but um, they bought Newcastle for an 80% stake for around £300 million. And, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be um, quite influential in the next uh, couple seasons because um, that is a crazy amount of money in that. Yeah, I, I think... Going unnoticed. I think the, uh, the next best in terms of... Um, uh, ownership, if I'm not mistaken, it's uh, the PSG owners. I think the PSG owners are around about uh, the same in terms of Newcastle, maybe a bit less if I'm not mistaken. But, yeah, it's yeah. it's huge amount of money, absolutely huge amount of money. Like the good thing about Newcastle, I guess, like it's a bit different in Manchester City just because Newcastle do have the established fan base who have been turning up season after season and, pretty much not getting rewarded, sort of similar to my uh, Newcastle Jets here. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I could see this being absolutely massive for them. I actually see it as potentially Newcastle will be a bigger club than Man City in five to ten years because of that solid fan base that they have because that's the one thing that City sort of – not that they don't have fans, but obviously it's the running gag that – you know, they can't fill a stadium. You know, they have to get Pep on the screen um, sort of pleading for fans to come to the games. But, uh, well, you know, I'm not wrong. Yeah. But um, Newcastle have always had those fans there. And they, and they come out in droves. It doesn't matter what, if they're in the Premier League, in the Championship. So it, it is massive for them. They, you know, they um, definitely, you know, it looks promising for them. Yeah, no, as I was talking to you earlier about um, Adam Peacock that we'll getting on the show soon, um, he's an absolute passionate supporter. And he, on one of his podcasts he was doing, he was actually quite disappointed and quite um, sad about when um, they their first initial bid got um, pretty much turned down just because of obviously all those other issues that are outside of football. And mm. um, he was pretty devastated by it, so... He's absolutely over the moon, and he did actually write a bit of a, a piece, an article about it as well for a bit of information on what it means to him and his family as their long-time Newcastle supporters. So definitely advise anyone to hit Google and uh, look it up. But, yeah, definitely a good read. It is sad, though, um, in terms of the, 
money makes the world sort of go round. Like, obviously, everyone, if anyone could have the option, they would have Leicester's owners. Like, I think Leicester's owners are just brilliant. Um, they're universally loved in terms of um, their leadership and their ownership. But um, it's it's a it's a sad world we live in where you know we're talking about Newcastle being owned by um, you know a group that's uh, you know has that much money you know three hundred and twenty or whatever it is billion dollars um, yeah so it's a it's a bit of a shame like gone are the days where teams like uh, you know Derby can win um, the Premier League or not the Premier League but the the old you know Division One and um, you know, it's, it's a certain teams sort of coming up and from the championship and winning uh, the Premier League. So, yeah, so I know the that's the world we live in, but, um, yeah, it is a bit of a shame. Yeah. Well, I might um, just head over to some uh, questions for you fellas. Um, I'll answer it after you guys. If you were the Newcastle owner, who would your first marquee signing be? Do you want to take this one first? Um, I think if we're, if we're talking about marquee signings, realism out the window um i think the the biggest name to sign at the moment has to be harland i I do not think this is realistic at all but as a marquee signing i think he's the best up-and-coming player in the world and i think he can make an argument for mbappe but i don't know i think harland's incredible but um as a more realistic uh transfer options i think firstly city needed uh, city sorry newcastle need to invest in um like training facilities and um things like that to bring a newcastle local boy to the big stage if that makes sense um i think they really need that when there's this much money going around i think that'll help their cause no um, definitely agree on that one. those regards but i think there are some really good um shouts for actual realistic signings um Players like Coutinho um, is pretty out of favour at Barcelona. He's taken up a big percentage of their money there. Um, players like uh, Cassie from uh, AC Milan, I think that's how you pronounce it, really, really good um, central midfielder and would make a great replacement for John Joe Shelby. I don't know how that man's still alive. And just on a side note, he looks at least 40. Um well. He's secretly uh, Voldemort, mate, so they don't want to mention his name in press conferences. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how he's still playing professional football, but a shout-out to John Joe Shelby. Um, <laughs> I also think some talents from the Euros, like, uh, like Gozens or a Mailer, could be um, uh, maybe a potential, uh, like potential signing for Newcastle. But, um, yeah, I think they're my, my main ones. But um, I'll let Damo take over and see if I, I missed any. Yeah, so if we're talking on pure unlimited resources, unlimited money, um, you might sort of bulk at this one. But I think in terms of name, absolute name value, it doesn't matter about contracts or anything like that, you go for Lionel Messi. You go for the almost the premier player in the world. Even at 33, uh, you know, he's still got a few decent seasons in him and it's the statement move. You know, you bring in uh, arguably one of, or if not the best player, um, and I know we're going to talk about that later, but um, 
yeah, that's your statement move right there, pretty messy. That you, that shows your intent there. Uh, if you're not sort of bringing him in, I completely agree with you. You have to go for someone like a Harland. He's only 19. Like, if you're building for the future, you're building a team around Harland, the, the, the Harlands of the world. You're building your um, team around your Mbappe of the world, who's 21. Um, you're and I don't want to necessarily mention this name because I want to keep him forever, but you're building your team around a Declan Rice, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, those are the players that uh, you, you look at it and you go, yeah, you know, they're your, they're your future superstars and they're already superstars. Um, yeah. Realistically, I think to start off with, they're going to go for they, – they want to get their team right. I think oh, I can see them targeting players. I can actually see them targeting a few Man United disgruntled players. Like, oh, we don't uh, have disgruntled players, <laughs> mate. Everyone loves our club. So, you know, players like Henderson as a goalkeeper, um, you know, Van Der Beek, uh, Pogba, even Lingard could offer um, some, you know, some decent uh, output in terms of um, – what they, um, you know, in terms of signings. Uh, I know you're going to talk about a few others, but, you know, it, the only other one that I can sort of talk to is potentially Coutinho as well as a as an option. I know he's sort of on the outer um, and probably looking to come back to the Premier League anyway. So how about yourself, uh, Q? Any, any other plays that you think? Um, we'll almost touch on uh, the old Hallen core. I'd, I'd love to see St. Max and Hallen just combining for a million goals up front. That'd be insane. That is a ridiculous pairing. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, like Brady said, if uh, investing, they'll have to invest in the facilities, possibly even give St. James Park a bit of an upgrade as well, just because I think it is quite old, even though it does look pretty flash on TV. But definitely upgrade the facilities. But I could see a marquee signing be like a Sterling possibly just I'm not sure where he stands at the moment in Pep's squad whether he'll be on the outer but definitely I could see them targeting a player like that sort of as a sort of half realistic half unrealistic but um, a few other players obviously you touched on Coutinho I think he's a great shout just because I don't think he's happy playing like 10 minutes a game over in the mm. Bundesliga so but I also could um, see them targeting uh, Lacazette like you mentioned um to me the other day, uh, Lacazette, it would not be happy at all. Pretty much getting ten minutes off the bench every week. So, but um, yeah, I could see that the possibilities are endless. I really hope they are smart in the plays that they are trying to get, and not sort of do uh, forty million for Joel Linton or someone like that again. So, <laughs> but um, yeah, I could I could see them with the opportunity they have getting in some decent players, but try not to overspend too much because if you do have the money, you don't really still want to be forking out ridiculous amounts of players that aren't worth it. So who do we think is going to be their equivalent of Robinho? That's essentially the, like, who do we think the one player? See, for me, it's potentially Pogba, um, their sort of statement player. How about you guys? If you have to pick sort of one Robinho-type player, in that Newcastle team? Probably Coutinho for me, I reckon. I think his standing, his um, potential and what he can be, I think, yeah, he's definitely that type of player. What about you, Brady? Uh, I do really like the, the Cassie pick or the Cassier, if that's how you pronounce it. I, 
I think he's a great player and he could be really influential at um, a club like Newcastle. I think you can sort of build your team around a, a Cassie. Yeah, oh, I fully agree with that. This sort of depends, obviously, what his aspirations are, whether he'd want to wait for Champions League football or not. Yes, definitely. Um, we might get into just a bit of info um, just regarding the teams that we follow. Um, you probably already know by now, I followed Man United, Damo's West Ham, and Brady's also Man United. So mine is sort of touch base with uh, how I've come about supporting them, seeing as we are Aussies. So we weren't sort of accustomed to Premier League football all our lives. So I sort of only started really following Manchester United after playing FIFA 2001 and uh, doing the dynamic duo of Dwight and Andy Cole up front, scoring a million goals. So I kind of followed them just because of that. And then um, as uh, it got on, they signed um, Cristiano Ronaldo, which obviously made me fall in love with Cristiano Ronaldo and the rest of Man United even more. So pretty much since then, I've just been a Man United fan. Um, what about you, Damo? When did you first sort of start following? Um, well, I've, I've followed the Premier League for a little while, but uh... But in terms of supporting West Ham uh, themselves, probably around about that sort of uh, 99, 2000 season, you know, I was sort of still in high school, um, wasn't sure sort of who I wanted to support. And um, I didn't at the time want to support sort of one of the big four. So I was looking at... um, a team that, you know, had a solid sort of following, a um, little bit different, you know, up-and-coming sort of thing. So, obviously, at the time, uh, sort of I looked at West Ham. You know, they had Dikenia on their side, which was an absolute freak of a player. Um, you know, that goal against Wimbledon, that wonder goal, <laughs> I still sort of replay that and think just, you know, what a sort of player he was. Um, like, obviously, uh, when I started supporting them, they just signed players like Lucas Neal, you know, Tevez and, you know, the L sort of season um, that we uh, sort of the great escape season where we beat uh, Man United right at the death and uh, stayed up. So, um, yeah, so that's pretty much my sort of story in terms of uh, supporting who I support. What about you, Brady? When did you start supporting Man United, mate? Um, look, uh, Quentin had a massive influence on my um, support for Manchester United, I think. Um, look, the first jersey I ever owned was a Wayne Rooney number 10 Man United jersey, and I just remember waking up in the mornings um, at ridiculous times and watching skinhead Rooney double-peg a bunch of helpless players on the field. <laughs> And I just don't think there was a better time in football. Um, also, just growing up during the Sir Alex Ferguson era, and just uh, I don't know, it was a it was a wonderful time to be a Man United fan. And I just I don't know, I, I loved that uh, period of football, I guess. And yeah, I just fell in love with Manchester United. Nah, definitely. Yeah. I I remember the days of old Skinhead Rooney running around us, uh, barging people over and scoring goals for fun. So, oh, we just had we had a few of those players like the the Roy Keynes, the Skinhead Roonies, Vidage, uh, <laughs> players like that. I think uh, just I think what's missing from um, current day football. Yeah, no, that's it. Anything else you'd like to add on to your um, West Ham demo? Uh, no, pretty much. Um... Yeah, like obviously seeing the ups and downs of uh, West Ham in terms of, uh, you know, a few relegations and promotions and things like that. But um, 
uh, like my best memory of West Ham is probably being in a pub with a in a Melbourne pub with about four hundred other West Ham supporters, uh, watching that last minute uh, Vaz goal to um, against Blackpool to bring us back into the Premier League. Like I'll never forget that moment. It was, it was huge, and just to see the the amount of support that um, West Ham ha- has in Australia is huge. Yeah, no, definitely. But it is surprising actually how many West Ham supporters there are. So I didn't really know till West Ham actually come out. I forget which year it was. They came out to Australia and there was actually a lot of people buying tickets. So um, might get into predictions for this week's games. Might just uh, say who's going to win the each matchup. Um, start with Watford-Liverpool. I could probably see Liverpool maybe going to town, depending on obviously what players are playing, but they could easily get a 3-0 win here, I'd say. What about you guys? Uh, yeah, Liverpool me. It has to be a Liverpool win, I think. Yeah. It'll be a little bit of a miracle if Watford win this one. <laughs> yeah, well, stranger things have happened. Um, Villa and Wolves. I reckon this is going to be an absolute cracking game. I could see it possibly no defence at all and it could be like a 3-2 type win for Wolves because Jimenez is going to get a double because he's in my sight. What about you, fellas? <laughs> <laughs> I can see a draw in this game. I can see a draw. So, um, especially with uh, Villa potentially not having Martinez either, I think it'll just be a high-scoring draw. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. It's just, yeah, going to be a very close game with quite a few goals. Yeah, that's what I like to hear. Hopefully not too many because I know Watkins will probably score in a few. So, uh, Leicester, Man United. Um, it's interesting. I, I sort of, with a full-strength side, I sort of picked Man United as a 3-1 win, but with our defense, it could possibly be maybe 2-1, 2-all, possibly, but I'm going to just back Man United and say they win. Um, I think you might lose this one. Uh, just <laughs> <laughs> well, no, uh, With a full-strength lineup, I think you win it, and I think you win it comfortably, but um, with your uh, injury concerns, um, and given that um, uh, Man United do know how to ship about at times. Um, given, you know, uh, was it Villa that you guys lost to? Uh, that was oh. Villa, yes. Yeah, so given that you guys do do that, um, I can see Leicester winning 2-1 in this game. Oh, I, look, it's going to be pretty close. It's it's going to be a draw or either team win by one goal. I just, I think... Uh, Look, men, you aren't going to be good. We haven't been able to keep clean sheets with a ideal starting back line. But um, I've, Leicester have been pretty underwhelming this season, so I think it could go either way. I'm hoping for a Man United win, though. Yeah, no, nah, well, just Ben and Ronaldo to score four goals and we win 4-3, so it'll be oh, all good. That's all you need. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up, we've got Man City-Burnley. Um, this could be an absolute smashing by Man City, seeing as Burnley only plays defence and lately their defence has been horrible. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I could see like a maybe a 5-0 win to Manchester City <laughs> and a very painful watch watching uh, assets that I would want to get in my team, so... Uh, I can see, um, obviously, Man City winning this game comfortably as well, but I can just see Burnley nicking a goal and just to ruin um, the the Cancelo uh, clean sheet. Or and I know people have got the ass. Some people even have the double, um, but and I can see you know something happening and Man City winning like five one. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. So um, I think Man City win comfortably, but um, uh, but I'm hoping it's a Man City clean sheet. 
Yeah, they, I think they have to win comfortably. They've got a history of scoring lots of goals against Burnley as well, so I can't really see it going other way than a, a big city win. Yeah. Uh, Norwich-Brighton. Um, this is going to be an absolutely thrilling game. <laughs> um, I could I could see it finishing nil or to be honest. So, which would be good for Brighton if you've got um, defensive assets. But, yeah, I won't be – I'd say probably a draw I'd go with this game. Um, I can see Brighton win this game, uh, not comfortably, but I can see him winning by one or two goals. Uh, I don't rate Norwich at the moment. I think they're going to they're gonna be one of the first teams that goes down. Uh, I can't see where any win comes this season from for Norwich. Uh, they're just they've been pretty woeful side. So I think um, from the promoted teams, I think they go straight back down. Yeah, I think Damo's hit the nail on the head there. It's pretty much the thoughts right out of my mouth. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, see a Brighton win, and yeah, I can't really see Norwich getting anything from this game. Yeah, no, nah, maybe Kenny McLean comes through for goal. <laughs> <laughs> Um, next up, we got Southampton and Leeds. Uh, this actually could be a pretty decent game. Um, I think if Rafinha does play, that I could see Leeds maybe getting the result. But with the information that he might not play, I'd probably nearly go Southampton, uh, maybe a one-goal win. Yeah, I think it all depends on uh, Rafinha and potentially Bamford. I'm not sure if Bamford's already been ruled out or not, but... Um... If Leeds have their complement of players, I think they win uh, just due to Southampton not really having anyone potent up for. They haven't replaced Ings at all. So um, I can see this either being a, a draw or potentially Leeds just nicking it just due to Southampton not really having much up forward. Yeah, I think this one's a, a draw. I um, Yeah, if, if not, it's a close game either way. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, Brentford-Chelsea, I think, could actually be a great game. And I could see actually Brentford snagging a goal and ruining everyone's Chelsea assets <laughs> in the back, So, which I will be doing. I'll be death riding them, seeing as Alonso burnt me last week. I'll be death riding Chelsea to concede. But I could see Chelsea winning this maybe 3-1 or 2-1 or something. So, Yeah, I'm putting the same boat. I think Chelsea wins this. But um, I think it'll be a um, both teams will score, uh, and the uh, Tony train just um, rolls on. So, but uh, I think Chelsea do win this. Yeah, I I agree. Uh, Brentford have a good track record against the traditional top six this season, so I can see it being a bit close. Um, maybe a goal by Embuemo instead of uh, Tony. But um, mm. yeah, I think I think a Chelsea win, but uh, maybe a little bit closer than some people might think. Yeah, no, definitely a good shout. And, um, yeah, for the people that are jumping on Boimo, that, uh, that's a good shout. Um, next up, we've got Everton and West Ham. Uh, this, I, I actually think West Ham might put Everton to the sword as a bit of a sort of dismissing Everton. Sorry, Everton supporters, if you listen to my pod. Um, yeah, I could see West Ham winning this probably 2-3-1 and uh, Antonio getting a double. Oh, I hope that's the case. Um, uh, traditionally, Everton's always been a, a tough opponent for us. I'm, just, I'm not sure why uh, Richarlison... I'm hoping Richarlison doesn't play because he always seems to score against us. So um, I think it just depends on if we can sort of get that monkey off our back. Uh, if we can, we do 
probably win this comfortably. But um, I can see it being close, potentially uh, to all draw. Um, but I'm hoping that we bounce back and we win. Yeah. I, I think it's another uh, West Ham win. Uh, Everton have been another one of those teams that are pretty underwhelming this season, or at least at the start. So, yeah, I, I think it's a West Ham win. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, next up, we've got Newcastle Spurs. I think Spurs could win this, but I think it's going to be a bit of an um, sort of arm wrestle to get that win. I could see it possibly being 1-0 to Spurs if Sun getting a goal. Yeah, see, I um, oh, I think it's the opposite here, uh, especially for all the good news that's poured on Newcastle. I th- and you've got to sort of understand these Newcastle players are now playing for their lives. They're playing for their contracts. So they've now got owners that can literally buy anyone in the world. So if they don't perform, they are out. So I can really see Newcastle stepping up in this game and I think it's going to be a win to Newcastle with uh, St. Max scoring one or two goals. I could see maybe a draw in this one, but I think Spurs should really win it. Um, but Damon makes a good point, so um, I guess we'll see. <laughs> no, definitely <laughs> interesting to see whether the energy does get him over the line or whether Spurs somehow learn how to play football and continue their win streak of two wins in a row. Um, we'll go Arsenal Palace the last game. I could see this as a maybe a high-scoring affair, which is unfortunate for my Tierney asset, but I could see possibly Palace getting a few goals and I could see maybe Arsenal getting a few goals as well. So I'm saying a score draw. Yeah, I think Arsenal do nick this, but um, I can see it being high scoring. Uh, Arsenal just, they've turned around their form since, um, uh, what, the start of the season. You know, their coach is now the Premier League manager of the month, so, uh, <laughs> which I did uh, have a bit of a chuckle about. But uh, yeah, I do, I do see Arsenal potentially winning this maybe 2 1 or 3 2. Yep, I can see Arsenal winning this in traditional Arsenal fashion with some scrappy goals and not very good football. Um, <laughs> but uh, we'll see. I, I, they really should win it. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, no, definitely. I, 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 the only thing that would soften the blow of Tioni conceding would be Gallagher getting a goal. So I could be happy with that. Um, bowl predictions for the next few weeks. Um, I might start with mine. I'm saying KDB... Um, outscores Lukaku in fantasy points over the next sort of eight to ten weeks. Nice. Uh, I have written down Tony to be the top goal scorer in the next five game weeks. That is very bold. I like it. What about you, Brady? I have a slightly less FPL-based one, but I do see teams like Brighton and Brentford staying in the top half of the table. Um and I do, just to uh, add on to Damo, I have a feeling Embraimo is going to outscore Tony. So, Oh, nice. there you well, go. that'll be an interesting talking point. We'll definitely have to keep tabs on that. Um, next up, we might get into the mailbag questions. Um, first one up, we got Ronaldo to KDB for a minus four hit. Would you do this? I might start this one off, fellas. Um it just, I, I wouldn't want to get Renato out this week because there's a chance against Leicester um, with their shaky back line that he could get a good return this week. But I guess it just depends on the rest of your squads. If you've got no other fires to put out, like I could see possibly it being a good idea just because I think KDB will 
get a decent return this week um, in their fixture. But, yeah, maybe the best thing would probably roll the transfer and then use two next week. But, yeah, that's my opinion on that one. This question came from FPL Plonka. So yeah. shout out to the uh, the Plonka. Uh, and his, the, the full sort of question was, would you do Ronaldo to Huang and uh, Huang or Armstrong? Uh, and Saar to KDB for a minus four. And I think given that information, so Ronaldo to Huang and then um, uh, Saar to KDB, I know it's a minus four, but um, KDB's looking on form at the moment and Huang is actually looking pretty decent too. So uh, even if it doesn't pay off this week, eventually I think most people are going to be uh, moving on Ronaldo. So it's not a bad shout. I'd, I'd probably lean towards doing it, but um, obviously it just depends if you're a risky FBL player or you like to play conserv- conservatively. Yeah, if you're TN or me and you who wild out <laughs> over here, are definitely two different tactics. What about you, Brady? Um, I think with uh, the SAR information, I think you sort of have to get rid of SAR at this point. Um, Sort of, Sars sort of been and gone, um, so I think uh, you could downgrade Ronaldo to Huang. I think Huang's a really good option, um, and then maybe even upgrade to like a, a Son in the midfield. Um, but I do like KDB as well. Or even if you wanted to just um, straight swap Sar, I think Sar's the bigger um, issue um, to another player around that uh, price point. Maybe uh, Embuemo or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Embuemo, maybe a Saka, um, Rafinha if he was playing, but I don't think he will. Um, or even just Ronaldo to Lukaku. Um, so there's lots of options, and I don't mind any of them, to be honest. So I think it's just up to personal preference, but I do think Saar needs to um, sort of go sooner rather than later. Yeah, no, definitely. I sort of, I don't, don't see Saar getting many returns over the next few weeks. So I think he definitely was wanting to get Saar out. So that does make sense, either doing the double move or just maybe doing the one move and then, yeah, changing it. But um, next question up, we had uh, Vardy over Lukaku. Who would you go? Well, I've had this uh, discussion a couple of times over the last few days. I think Vardy is in a purple patch, and it is proven that he does hit that purple patch and it lasts for a few weeks. But there are those moments where you might be four games without anything. So I guess it just comes down to if you want to take the risk and do the differ- differential play, I could see Vardy still getting a return, but I'm not sure how long this purple patch will last for. And then Lukaku obviously probably should have had a decent return last game, but sort of got the, go- the goal ruled off um, for offside and then hit the post. So, yeah, I definitely could see people going either way on this, but for me, I'd probably... I'm looking maybe away from Lukaku, so I'd probably go the Vardy. Uh, I'd go Lukaku. Uh, just um, I looking at looking. I know form's not great, but looking at his fixtures, I I can see him getting some points at least in the next uh, three or four. So, and I think Vardy's time is um, then and done, sort of thing. I, I know uh, he has sort of surprised a lot this year, and if you started him, clap, clap, well done. You know, you've uh, done better than most, but um, I think Lukaku's the way to go. 
Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, I, I have to agree. I think short-term, long-term, Lukaku is the better option. Um, obviously, his recent form isn't as good as Vardy's, but it's it's Lukaku. Like, he's an incredible striker, and I just don't think you can entirely judge on just the past couple um, of games. Like, he's, he's going to get points, and he um, will probably outscore Vardy this season easily so I think I just have to pick Lukaku yeah no definitely um, next up we've got uh, Phil Foden I think um, you could get him in if you do have the bench depth obviously what we talked about earlier there with Rafinha sort of I would be getting him in because I think that it is a, a bit risky but it is a high reward a high reward so um, I think you could have him if you have the depth there what about you Damo uh, yeah, oh, I've looked at Phil Foden, but um, I'm probably not going to bring him in. Pep, oh, I think other than KDB, it's just a, too much of a pep rule there with um, with those players. Like, I, I was, look, I was burnt by Torres, so I'm probably not going to go back to the the pep, um, the pep roulette so quickly. I think uh, if I... Move for a ch- uh, sorry for a city asset. It's probably going to be KDB in about two to three weeks, but um, no, I, I can't see myself bringing in Foden. Yeah, I am. Um, he's he's so he's in my wild card draft at the moment, but I'm not sure if I'm going to stick with him. I think with City, it's a little bit of a shot in the dark because they're bound to get points. It's just who gets those points that week. It's. Um, very up in the air, and he is a rotation risk. And seven point nine million, I think, is what he is. That is a fair bit of money to have on the bench. So uh, I don't know. It uh, could go either way. I I do like him, but he is a bit of a risky play. Yeah, no, nah, it's. I guess yeah, you do have that bench depth. If he misses out, you can then um, obviously get whoever's on your bench to come in for him. So. Uh, last question, uh, should I be doubling up on either two Chelsea or two City defenders? Um, I, I'm really against the doubling up of the same team just because if they do obviously concede, there's two players there that are getting one point or two points. So I think if you really want to obviously go the premium backline, I'd grab one City, one Chelsea, maybe grab TAA, and then maybe fill with two other defenders, but I'd only get probably one of each. But that's my opinion. Maybe if you wanted to double up, maybe go a goalkeeper as well, maybe Allison or um, the city goalkeeper. But yeah, that's just me. Yeah, you read you read my mind, mate. Uh, for me, uh, again, I never take my own advice, but my advice is um, have one player from each side, have to balance it out as well, have a centre back. Uh, and a, uh, a wing back or a fullback. So, uh, for example, have a Cancelo and a Rudiger, or have um, you know Aspi and Diaz. So you sort of balance it out while still having that sort of attacking potential. And obviously, don't trade away TAA. He's um, he'll be back. He'll be solid. And I wouldn't be surprised if he hauls against Watford. Yeah. No, exactly. Yeah I, um, yeah, I agree. I wouldn't really go for a double up, but I think if you have to or you really want to, City is definitely the way to go. Like they've, I have a few stats, actually. They're the best defense in the league. Um, out of seven games, they have an XG 
conceded of 3.8 goals, which is a little bit ridiculous, um, which is also twice as good as the second-best defensive team for that stat, which is Brighton. They've also only conceded 26 shots in the box um, this season and only nine shots on target and five big chances conceded. So I think if you have to double up, it's almost got to be City, but I would probably just stick to spreading out your assets, especially in defense. Nah, definitely agree on that. Okay, next up, we uh, Brady wanted to ask me and Dame a few questions. Um, far away, Brady. Um, it's mainly just one, inspired by the previous podcast with FPL Plonker. Um, I was a big fan of the uh, the old shower question, the old shower <laughs> debate, uh, facing the water or turning away from it. Personally, I liked to do a little bit of the uh, rotisserie chicken, so just sort of uh, front facing and then a little back facing, and then you got to sort of do a little spin so you get all the areas. Um, but anyway, moving on. Uh, covered it well, mate. Covered it well. My it. question is: um, I wanted to know um, a little bit of a weird one. It might be weirder than the shower, but um, when going to the toilet, do you fold or scrunch the paper? Uh, I do have some very strong opinions on this, so I I would like to know your answers. There is Um, only one answer to this. (laughs) Only one answer. You fold, and then the second answer to this is you've got to make sure that you put the toilet paper the right way, and the right way is over, not under. (laughs) And I will fight anyone that says anything different. You're a man after my own heart, Damo. That is oh, that's wonderful to hear. Um, How are you, Q? Mine's like a, a messy made bed. Not quite a scrunch, not a fold, but just a messy <laughs> folding type situation. So I guess I'm I'm in between you guys. So, oh, Look, I think every refined man folds their toilet paper. I think if you scrunch, you're a Neanderthal. It's barbaric. I don't understand it. Um, People got places to be, mate. It's a drop and run situation. Look, this is a, a delicate topic. It's a bit, it's a bit, a of, a delicate to- area. bit of a shitty topic, isn't it? It, it is a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it, it's, a, it's a delicate area, and you, you've got to have a little bit of uh, class about you when you're doing a, <laughs> such a dirty deed. Um <laughs> Yeah, I just think it's uh, it's 100% fold. If you scrunch the toilet paper, you're a barbarian. We might um, have to get uh, this going on Twitter. I might uh, tag Aaron in it and see if he has any um, opinions <laughs> on the matter. Absolutely. Uh, I might get into team plans for this week. Um, I sort of, straight after I finished work on last Sunday, I rage traded Alonso for Cancelo, so that's my trade. <laughs> What about you, Damo? Uh, I will. I've already brought in Rudiger, but uh, I will be bringing in Chelsea assets. Uh, undecided whether I take a hit or not just yet, but um, definitely want to have some city assets, and I'll be keeping an eye on uh, Brentford assets and to looking into bringing in. Uh, definitely bringing in Tony. Not this week. Probably next. Uh, and potentially uh, Embuemo uh, a couple of weeks after that. What about you, Brady? Um, so I've hit my wild card, which I've touched on um, already. But um, So I've got a bit more to cover. Um, 
but I've got a few locked players in the draft and a few that are undecided. I think my locked players are Salah easily. I think that man can stay in my team all season. Embuemo, um, yeah. I really, really like Embuemo. He's um, he's really good. I like the fact that um, he's having the main shots for Brentford at the moment. Tony's sort of dropped into that sort of uh, creative role and Embuemo is having the shots. I think Tony's a better finisher. But Embuemo is having more shots, and he is dirt cheap, so he's a pretty good pickup in the midfield. I think Livramento is almost a must. I have um, Ramsdale, which I think is a is a pretty good pick. Um, hopefully, yeah. he does well. I think Cancelo as well is um, a great pickup. Trent also now that he looks available, I think has to be in your team. Um, yeah, look, I'd. Uh, also lock players like Rafinha and Lukaku if they're available. Um, I don't think Rafinha will be. I think Lukaku will be. Um, so we'll see. And then just at the back line, uh, my Chelsea defender is a little bit of a toss-up between Aspilicueta, Rudiger and Chilwell, which I mentioned before. Um, there's I have one main stat about Chilwell, um, which was last season when he started on the bench, he only uh, came on as a sub one time and zero times under Thomas Tuchel. So if you've got cover on the bench, I think he could be a really, really good shout just to start. If he plays, he's got such a high ceiling and really has the potential to score lots of points for you. If he doesn't, if you've got that cover on the bench, the Livermentos, the Duffies, I think he's a a pretty good outside bet. yeah, and no, I like he that. Should have, he should avoid the one pointers from uh, coming on in like the last minute, um, yeah. and then just in the sort of attack in the midfield spot is yeah, just the toss up between Foden. Um, I've got Antonio at the moment. Um, the fixtures are dropping off a bit, but Antonio has been so good, so it feels almost I don't know. I feel like I can't let go of him. He's just he's treated me so well that. Nah. Um, I'm in the same spot as you with that one. I sort of yeah. I want to get rid of him for the fixtures, but he's like a cut price premium, pretty much. Yeah, is what I'm basing him as. Absolutely, and then just uh, my final spots on Jimenez at the moment, but I could easily swap to Huang. I think Huang's an incredible option, and then if I was to do that, I probably would move Foden to a Son. Um, also, I did want to talk about like that 4.5 million bench midfielder spot because. That is probably going to be in most people's teams, especially if you're doing a wild card, since most people are using that 3-4-3 formation. Um, I currently have um, Douglas Louise, who I think is a good option. He's on set pieces as well, I think. I think Brownhill's pretty safe. And a little outside bet is um, Norman from Norwich. Um, look, I wouldn't, I wouldn't start him. I'm not going to go all... Uh, Kenny McLean on him, but um, <laughs> I think he's a good player to sit on your bench. And if you need him, he comes in because most things that happen through Norwich, and admittedly, not many things happen through Norwich, but when they do, it's Dorman. So, well, we'll see. Well, you come on the pod one time, mate, and you're already throwing out hate bombs towards my boy <laughs> McLean, mate. So, you're welcome anytime. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I think um, FPL hasn't been that exciting, Brady, so I'd definitely get Chilwell in and strap in for the ride, mate, because it's going to be exciting. 
yeah, could be worth a shout. We'll, uh, yeah. we'll see how it goes. If I don't go for him and he starts hauling, I'll be quite upset. Yeah. But um, at least I said it on the pod, so I get some <laughs> sort of yeah, recognition mate, we'll, for it. We'll save it. You better head over to iTunes and uh, just listen to yourself. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that about wraps up the pod this week. Um, for all our um, stuff, head over to FPL underscore amateurs underscore Oz on Twitter and then head over to Damo's page, FPL West Ham. He has some good stuff over there and he's just hit 800 followers, so he's almost a celebrity. So hopefully we can <laughs> hold on to him on the pod for a little bit longer, but we'll see how we go. Um, Facebook, head over to EPL Fantasy Amateurs of Oz as well. And our podcast you'll find on Podbean, Spotify, and iTunes. And as I said last week, um, please uh, rate our podcast five stars, even if you didn't like it, just to boost it up the rankings. So good luck next week. And we'll see you.